real quick, I should mention, um, I'm in an Airbnb in Kauai to shoot that wedding on Thursday, and there is a lawnmower gentleman downstairs. So if you hear a lawnmower um, kind of buzzing around in the background, that's it. I did my best to close all the windows and close the doors and everything to minimize it. The theme of today's podcast is going to be Googling wedding photographer slash videographer and then answering the questions that drop down and kind of like auto-populate when you're searching for something. Uh, We have a bunch of questions that came in through Instagram and emails. We'll be going through some of those and then kind of like weaving them into the common Google questions that we see. Yeah, so basically, I don't know if anybody has seen the wired autocomplete interviews for like celebrities where they'll say like, why does Jeff Gold or where does Jeff Goldblum? And they'll like see all the ones that comes up. Uh, and so we're kind of just, I just thought that'd be a cool idea to see what people ask about wedding photographers. And we're kind of going to use, uh, I kind of search more for wedding photographers, but we're going to kind of just go through all the different ones, uh, interchangeably for videographers too. I have a couple, we can start with some of the mm-hmm. listener questions. Oh yeah, um, let's do that. I have, let's see, um, <laughs> uh, this one I get pretty often and I'm sure you do t- two maybe uh Mm -hmm. why do wedding photographers take so long to edit (laughs) yeah and i it might be it might be different answers for you and i but why don't you go ahead and start yeah Um, have you ever gotten this question before and Um, answer it yeah i mean i i don't think i yeah i definitely haven't like asked that or got that question asked specifically but what i will say is that usually the time that any photographer videographer gives you is not necessarily the time it takes to actually edit their video or edit their photos you know if they say eight to ten weeks which is typically what mine is i'm it doesn't take me eight to ten weeks to edit the video or or, you know it doesn't take brandon eight to ten weeks to edit the photo it's just that we know that on any given moment we're going to have a queue of you know other projects we're working on um and so i think some people see that number and they're just like why does it take that long which it never really does um you know it's usually like depending on how you work, like one week or a couple days or two weeks, uh, depending on the project. I'm in Kauai right now shooting a mm-hmm. wedding and I was sitting on the couch talking to a friend and remark, I was working on um, my tax return, the like business tax return. And I was just commenting, telling them like how it's so interesting that the majority, I would say, of what I do midweek, it has nothing to do with photography, even though I'm a photographer. And so much of it is, is backend work, like the emails, which like, honestly, answering emails cannot be like more like the time it takes to do that. And the effort that goes into replying, um, like it can't be understated. It's, it's so, is that the right way? Understated? Can't be overstated. Mm, One of those two. It's just, it it's a lot of be, work. I don't know. It can't be over, <laughs> it, it can't be overstated. It can't be overstated, right? Yeah, it can't be overstated. That sounds right. <laughs> okay. It can't be overstated. Um, just because like so many of them require like in-depth responses, like, you know, from planning itineraries with people to, to doing queries and calendaring and things. So yeah, just after those things, just throughout the course of a work day or a work week add up, um, 
And I'm not complaining at all. Don't, I don't want anyone to right, ever right. think that, but, but it is just kind of a fact of the matter. So like maybe during a, like a Monday through Friday or some Monday through Thursday, like work week, mm-hmm. um, I might only edit like one day or like have time to edit one day between sure. everything going on. And I, this is, I guess, what is different for you and for me. I do a lot more engagement photo sessions and yeah. elopements throughout the week. Um, and those, those just, again, like add to the queue. So while it does only take, once I finally sit down, while it does only take like two days to edit a wedding, just finding those two days when you have kind of a stack and backlog is, is definitely um, a challenge, Yeah, but it is off season. So, um, you know, using air quotes, I guess, because it still feels, yeah. <laughs> feels like we're busy, Down but it's just season. doing other things. Yeah. Down season. Yeah. yeah it's admin sure. season, we'll call it. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> So like right now I have, I'm like basically caught up one to one for one. So I'll shoot one and be able to edit one and turn it around. But mm-hmm. once, you know, wedding season comes around and, you know, three weddings can pile up in the course of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. it's, it's outpacing my rate or my ability to edit and turn and turn them around. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I was just going through the list. The first one I had is how do wedding photographers blank. Um, one that I thought was kind of interesting and cause this is probably it depends on who's answering it, but it just said, how do wedding photographers dress, which I'm sure means the day of. And so I was wondering what your take on what you wear on a, on a wedding day. Let's say, let's just use a full, like typical wedding day. Um, what do you have any philosophy or thoughts or do you just kind of wear whatever, or does it change depending on what kind of wedding you're at or what do you, what would you say? I think that we were pretty susceptible to that whole like if you're a vendor, you must wear black like yeah. thing expectation. Right. And, um, but that, I think I discarded that pretty quickly. Right. Um, and my kind of like philosophy behind it was if I'm going to be in the background, I would rather, I think it's more, I think it's, it's better to blend in yeah. like your surroundings, which is like blend in like a guest like a rather guest. than stand out. Right. Right. Yeah. So even though like I understand the intent of why why vendors mm-hmm. wear black, I don't think that it necessarily applies for photographers and videographers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I usually just wear like a you know like a like chambray button up flannel kind of top thing, mm-hmm. um, and like black jeans and you know a pair of Red Wings and um, but. It just, I was, what was it? I was in Tyler Branch's class at field trip a few years ago. And he was saying that whenever he goes on shoots, he always wears a white shirt. I don't know if it's still true now, but you know, circa 2016 it was. Did Tyler um, Branch does? Yeah. And oh. the reason why he does that is because it's sort of like a, in his mind, it's like a built-in reflector. So <laughs> That's cool. the sun hits his shirt and then reflects back in the client's like face or whatever uh, like that when he's getting closer for shots and good idea. you know I, tr- I tried it and it actually is like way effective really? um yeah so uh i don't know this year i might i might change things You're up a little white. bit and kind of wear lighter colors yeah yeah i i never thought of that i have worn white to a handful of weddings i never tuned into that but that is something that just like a white button up like a shirt sleeve white button up and you know black jeans or something but um that could be cool yeah i'll have to think about that um i think the wedding guest thing is probably the best thing that i've heard there is like still a small handful of weddings where i do dress in all black only if they're like specifically asking it um and, you know and then also i've found that when i used to wear all black then a lot of people ask me like 
they think I was a waiter or something too. Yes, totally. So that's not really good. Like, hey, can you take this drink? And I just say, yeah, sure. I'll bring it back. You know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think dressing like a wedding guest, you blend in more, and it's yeah, you're you're not yeah not as much. Sometimes in like let's say the reception, all black kind of is nice because then you kind of blend in. But during a ceremony, you stick out like a sore thumb. So yeah, and to your point of kind of know your environment like if you're yeah. with a client who may be a little bit more fussy or maybe you're a little bit more of a high-end wedding yeah i think wearing black is almost blending in with the guests more because they're wearing things like maybe black tie tuxedo kind of a thing and you it's obviously so impractical to wear that as a photographer so maybe the best you can do to get close to that is wear all black um you know, it wouldn't do me any good to go to a wedding like that, but wear like some floral print button up and blue right. jeans and white converse. Yeah. <laughs> so, just cause you think it looks know. cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I um, totally agree. And, and, you know, you're probably going to dress a little differently than you would to, for like a forced elopement than you would to like a country club wedding, you know? Yeah. Right. I will say this. One of my, my best clothing additions of 2017's wedding season was that black Patagonia like zip up mm-hmm. uh, yeah. jacket that I think you've seen me wear. Yeah. I figured it was called Nano Puff if you guys are like looking at something like for a jacket that's great for <laughs> weddings. Jacket. But it's yeah, the thing is called it's called the Nano Puff and it like nice. folds up into its own pocket so I can put it in my Pelican case and just put, whip it out when I need to. Um, and it's so yeah, super warm, super lightweight, looks good, blah blah blah. Yeah, I think if you endorse. Yeah, for that's a good point though. If you are in cold weather and you're you are wearing a jacket, I think it's good to find like a nice like kind of flexible hiking jacket that's preferably black. I think that just helps so you know cuz a lot of jackets can be bright colors and that can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, so. No bright orange jackets people. Yeah, yeah. Another good one on here is uh how do wedding photographers advertise. I don't know if we've ever talked about that. I guess I can only speak to what I've done in the past. Um, I have, I have done the paid Facebook advertisements. I I did like one, one, one last year, one the year before just to like see what it was like. I think I put the, the campaign cap at like 15 or $20. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you need to spend way more than that in order for it to be effective, but it literally did nothing. Um, like it literally yielded no additional uh, interaction, like nothing was booked from it, nothing came of it. So I decided I'm not going to do that anymore and waste the money. And then I did one Google campaign last spring when I changed the business name right. to Brandon Scott Photo Company. and. It just to, and for that, it was just to like drive website hits to sort of like quickly establish legitimacy in the eyes of Google um, and the algorithm. But nice. it wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't set out with the objective of it like increasing brand awareness or like booking things from it. It was literally just, hey, I have this new site and I need a lot of hits on it real fast. So the algorithm puts it somewhere even close to like page 10 or whatever. Like, I'm not even expecting page one out of this, just like to, to resurrect it from the depths of Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, and again, like it worked for its intended purpose. Like people clicked on the site, but it, it was nothing like, like, oh, we're so glad we found you through that yeah. Google ad. Like we right. want to book you. So um, I, I do ask couples whenever they fill out my web form where they heard about me. Yeah. So then I can kind of get a sense for what what like ad stuff is working or what marketing things are working. Um, and more and more, and I think that we've talked about this before and it's pretty similar for you maybe is, um, organic Google searches and Instagram 
are by far have have by far like taken over like where people find find me from um whereas before it was a lot more word of mouth yeah i mean i do a how did you hear about us uh you know question at the end of my contact form and yeah it like i said pretty on the t was what i would say is in word of mouth is i think it's kind of silly but is the best advertisement you can get like is just doing a great job being a good team player like being you know amicable and and trying to like be on it you know be on a team when you're going not just worry about your stuff or your shots you know really be a team player with all the vendors and, and just know that you're there to serve the couple and it's not about your thing it's about serving them but um and that to me gets the most tip or historically gets the most kind of um you know inquiries and most kind of i would say work but um, yeah, lately, definitely a lot of organic Google, a lot of Instagram, and that's not nothing from from my end paid. Um, you know, like I did try I, just out of curiosity. <laughs> I spent five bucks on an Instagram ad just to see what the experience was like, and it was cool. I mean, it was fine, but yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Um, I'm sure there's some instances where it works great, but um, didn't seem to work for me. But um, it, yeah, Instagram and just I think we've talked about this is a whole other thing, but. Um, I've never paid for any Google stuff, but I have got a lot of free information from you, Brandon, and other people online of how to help your kind of SEO stuff and how to help your um, page ranking. And there's a whole like you're gonna go to a whole you know a whole like year long course on all this different stuff you could do. Um, but there's yeah. a, a lot of good things like to fetch your you know Google crawl settings, and you can look that up. Um, but just different things to make sure, like you can actually, I think Google has a, a thing where you can check your um, site's health and see like what things you could be doing better, what things you could change, you know, and, um, PageSpeed analytics. Yeah. There's a bunch of different, if you just, yeah, that's a good one. And there's a bunch of different services that do that. Um, but yeah, really those things are, I think can be just as effective as like paying for this whole like Facebook advertising campaign, you know, just making sure you have uh, really healthy, like Google search ranking and, you know, your, your Instagram is kind of, I don't know, you're, you're taking that seriously, you know? So Mm -hmm. those things are both huge. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the SEO stuff that I've passed along to you, I can't Mm -hmm. take credit for. I I learned a lot of that (laughs) through, um, Dylan Howell. He's a wedding photographer up in Portland for any of you who don't know who he is. Um, and he is, he is very interested in how SEO for photographers can help a business. And so he has a couple, he has a couple blog posts on his website that I'll link to in the show notes that are, it is, it's titled SEO for photographers, I think. And that can, that can be another episode, I suppose, but I use Dylan's blog post as sort of the framework to, to go through all that. And I can't even explain to you how helpful it was, um, in actual, like real world results. Like I've consistently for like search terms that I care about, my page comes up, if not slot one, page one, like it's at least on page one. And so much of that has to do, so much of that can be attributed to the words that he wrote. So, um, again, I'll link that in the show notes. And I really encourage you photographers to, um, take a stab at, like understanding what he's saying and um, awesome and implementing it. I got a lot of other good stuff. Let me just keep moving here. If actually, that's... I have what's up. I do have one follow up question yeah. for you, um, and it's actually a question I've been wondering on my own too. So, okay. uh, let's see. What's up? When 
when a client has a good experience with you and they mm-hmm. do you, first of all do you get these emails where they ask you hey um, i had such an awesome time with you where can i leave a review yeah i do and if you do get that question i know you and i have talked pretty unfavorably about review sites like yelp um yeah. so my first reaction is like oh, i'm kind of hesitant to even say anything but oh, um no. what what's your what's your take and what do you usually tell them um so yeah i don't i mean i just think they're kind of I don't know. They're not. I wish there were, like I like I like the way Google Google business reviews work. So maybe I'm going to start sending people there. But um, I haven't got one in a while. But definitely in the last couple of years, I've got that a handful of times in Yelp. I try to keep people away from Yelp. I don't I just don't love the platform. I just don't love how it works. Um, but Wedding Wire, I unintentionally became my kind of place with the most reviews and so now that it has like 15 something reviews 15 16 reviews that's usually just where i send people if they want to write a review that seems to be the better of the two evils um so i for me yeah i I really like google google business reviews i would probably start sending people there if i got asked today we've mentioned that we don't like yelp very much but i'm curious like i think listeners might be interested too like what is it specifically that you don't like about yelp so I initially uh, did try to make, I made an account on there for my business like a long time ago and then had some bad experience where like all the good reviews were getting flagged and hidden. And then like, I mean, I, it was just like, I don't think I had any bad or any bad reviews. It was just like a bunch of really nice ones were all getting flagged because they maybe literally just went on to, or they made an account just to leave me a review. And so they flagged it as like, you know, some sort of spam or something or thought it was fake so that was kind of lame so then i ended up trying to delete it and they're like nope you can't delete it and i was like okay well they're like no we you you know you didn't read our you know terms and conditions like you put this up here it's now ours you have no right to it kind of a thing it's not your page anymore once you posted it and so that would be my only thing but what, what would you say pretty much the same thing that you just said okay. uh it's it is that it's a frustration with their reviews being algorithmically filtered. Yeah. And what sucks is I'll have a couple who asks where they want to review. I, in the past, would say Yelp was awesome. They don't have Yelp accounts, but they mm-hmm. want to leave reviews so bad right. they go through the trouble of making a Yelp account, subjecting themselves to like all of the Yelp marketing ads. But yeah. then they actually like take the time to write a great review, like something yeah. that's so nice. Then, probably took them like 20 or 30 minutes and <laughs> then it just never is seen by it or it's never used. So they yeah. might as well not have done it in the first place. Right. And I just think it's such an abuse of the public's time, of their time when Yelp Again, if you call them on it and ask them, hey, why is this being filtered out? They literally will reply to you saying they have no idea. They can't do anything about it. The algorithm <laughs> basically thinks for itself. It's taken like, over. That's such a, it's taken over. That's such a dumb answer. I know. So I, I'm, I'm so, I hate Yelp for that reason. And then also they're no matter how many times I beg them to never call me again, they keep, they call <laughs> oh. me like once a month asking me to buy ad space from them. I've tried so many times to close my Yelp page and they keep just resurrecting it. Like I'm doing everything I can to get off of Yelp and they, they like just keep forcing my, forcing themselves on me. One thing I will say, which is, I always think is so funny. I just pulled it up cause I was curious. So Yelp, has their own Yelp page. Yelp, the company, has a Yelp page. It has over 8,000 reviews as of today, and they are rated two out of five stars. So on their own website, they have a horrible (laughs) rating. It just shows that they're, you know, 
not they they could be doing a lot of things better but like you said they they might not actually have control they might like this algorithm might have gotten out of hand and it's like beyond them somehow i don't know what that means but i always think that's so funny that on their own website i guess it shows that they really aren't you know doctoring reviews which is i guess good um or doc- yeah. doctoring ratings but they always have a low rating it used to be like two and a half now it's down to two stars <laughs> i need to add mine on there then so bad one of the other good questions uh that was on the top of a couple when i said like why do uh, how do what do was like about insurance and the main one just says why do wedding photographers need insurance mm. and i'm sure they're talking about liability insurance which i know we both have and you know, a lot of venues require it, but if let's say, you know, uh, a bride or someone asks you why, what's, why does insurance come in handy or why do you need it? Like, how would you answer that? Um, it covers mm-hmm. the loss of any of the equipment that I choose to insure, which is everything. So right. there's some value there obviously, but it's like, oh man, $700. You know, if you think about the cost of lens, of, you know, three or four lenses and two camera bodies, like uh, that yeah. is, that isn't nothing. I mean, if you're if you're if everything is only worth like ten thousand dollars, like seven hundred dollars a year, that's like almost that's like a little less than a tenth or so of the value oh, that yeah. you're spending on the. I mean, possibility of needing to replace it. I guess. Yeah, the it, to me it's like nothing compared to the po- potential gain of what you it, like. I have we both have liability insurance and we both have like equipment like list insurance of like we have certain pro or. Uh, uh, you know, items that are insured, at least for on mine, it's even insured for theft. Like if someone was in it's insured for theft anywhere. So if someone stole it out of the back of my car, that's still insured. Uh, meaning they would, you know, I think it's like, I think I have like $12,000 worth of equipment or something on that list. And I mean, that's huge. It's like peace of mind too. And to know that, like, that's why I, we still keep like SD cards on our person. We're not keeping that in the case but if it was to get stolen we would at least get reimbursed for that um but liability insurance is huge you basically need it if you want to shoot any like real wedding venues um just to say like if you happen to trip on a lit candle and you know you light the whole place on fire that's where (laughs) that's where no really i mean that you're incur or you know uh what is it like two million dollars i think is our you know coverage of like up to those damages like that's where you wouldn't have to pay that you would, you know, you might as well quit your job, but, um, you know, your, your liability insurance would kick in in situations like that and a bunch of other situations. And so it's a necessity, but it's also really helpful to have, you know? Yeah, definitely gives me some peace of mind knowing that I can not be careless with my gear, but I don't have to always be looking over my shoulder, making sure that my car hasn't gotten broken into, yeah, it's like the least sexy expense when you're starting out, though. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I could spend $700 on a new, I don't know, iPad or something like that or insurance. No, it, it And it's insane. We use, or do you use Hill and Usher? I do, but I am not all that enthused about them. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, skip, I'll skip that. <laughs> um, I'll say that both our, our company, too, like it, I was, the companies we use, I was pretty shocked by how much you can get how much you get covered for all these like huge vast array of different scenarios and equipment and gear for about 700 bucks a year um you know which is less than obviously less than 100 a month to have like your whole kind of 
business insured from in, in tons of different ways. So it is it is pretty huge, and I'd say definitely worth it if you're any kind of full time you know creative. So um, that's why Freddie wedding photographers need insurance. I would say. <laughs> okay, this next one just asked the question: Do wedding photographers charge tax? Whether wedding photographers charge tax is a different question than whether or not they need to pay it. Um, and yeah, it, I've kind of gone back and forth between charging sales tax uh, to the client or just giving them a fixed price, knowing that I need to pay it on the back end. Um, either way, it needs to get paid by the photographer. But whether or not the customer is aware of it and pays for it is in a, is you know, up to the, up to the photographer and how they, for the, however they want to present their pricing. Um, but yeah, you have to unfortunately charge. And when they say tax, I think they mean sales tax, that Google right. question. Um, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately you do have to charge sales tax in most States. Um, the, I have a blog post that kind of goes in more depth about this topic on my website. Um, I'll link it in the show notes, but basically if you're charging, for a wedding, let's say like $4,000 and the client wants to buy a book or there's some physical good that's included in the package, then, um, yeah, the sales tax needs to be charged not only for the book itself, but for the entire $4,000 wedding. And the argument, at least in California, and I think it's pretty similar state by state, the argument is any work that goes into the the creation of that physical good is also taxable. So it's like you wouldn't be able to make a wedding photo book if you hadn't shot the weddings, the wedding that made the photos that made the book. So it's kind of a stretch. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that's, that's the, the rule, the law of the land here. Um, some photographers think that they're getting around this by maybe offering a book as a gift, but it's being advertised as a gift. And if it's being advertised as a gift for all intents and purposes, it's being advertised as part of the package. Like, Hey, if you buy, if you spend $4,000 on wedding package, number one will include as a gift, this book. Well, it's like, no, the client is picking wedding package number one because they know a book is coming. So it's not really a gift. You're just choosing to call it one. So it's still a taxable, a taxable thing, unfortunately. Right. But Yeah. I would say, yeah, for, for me, it's pretty straightforward. I don't have any physical, any physical products that I deliver currently. Um, it, it's totally fine if you do, but for me, I think the benefit of being able to tell a client they don't have to pay for tax or they're not, it's not baked in and, um, you know, digital delivery being pretty much the norm, it seems okay. And I always tell them when I do deliver, like you have the total right to burn on a DVD or a Blu-ray if you want to. And so, you know, they always have that option, but I, most of the clients I work with don't care for that as much, but, um, you do save on tax on, and you don't, I don't have to file sales tax cause I do literally no, I charge no sales tax. I never give physical products for anything. And so that's one less thing to deal with. Um, but it is, you know, there's give and take cause there's sometimes it, like with books, with photo books, it's really nice to give something physical, a little more tactile. And there's an experience there that I, I definitely get that that's a big pro. Um, but for me, I just go no sales tax, no pro- physical products and get everything digital. And my whole thing was as soon as a couple years ago, as soon as they started doing um, MacBooks without disk drives. And I was like, all right, I think we're that that was like the kind of point of like, it looks like we're as a culture, we're kind of done with disks. And so that's when I stopped doing it. 
uh, yeah, <laughs> when they set that trend, that I was like, okay, here we go, you know. So to be quite honest with you, when that happened, I sort of breathed a sigh of relief from that. It's like, ah, okay, like no more, no more pressure. I didn't offer CDs anyways, but right. now at least the pressure was lifted. Yeah, it's not the norm, and no one. I've rarely, rarely, probably in the last two years, I've got maybe one question about DVDs or something. So it's not, it's not even a big thing. People are, you know, they, I just like, they want to be able to post it and share it. They want to be able to like send it to everybody all over the you know globe and like post on Instagram. And so, you know, they're looking to share it more in those platforms anyways. So, yeah, that's kind of been something I've been wondering too. I was, uh, field or field trip um workshop in brooklyn in november and sam blake was there i don't remember if we talked about this on a prior episode or not but um she was talking about how she finally saved up for her and her significant other at the time to get this amazing photo shoot like engagement type shoot or just portrait shoot done um and she was so excited about it and then you know they did the shoot Time, like a few weeks went by and they got the photos and it was just such an anticlimactic experience just given a link to Dropbox to download photos and mm. I heard that and I was like gosh there's got to be like a better way okay. to like wrap up the client experience with some kind of gift or some like some token of appreciation or like some this is actual yeah. physical thing and so this the last like month I've been trying to figure out what that might look like because it's true I think you know where people are spending so much money and it even like I've been even thinking about how great it makes me feel like when I maybe go to a restaurant and they go to get a Chinese Chinese food is a great example. You go get Chinese food, they throw in a little fortune cookie, and for some reason that stupid little ten cent fortune cookie feels so good. It feels like you just like stole from them because of how like you just got this thing. And I know it didn't cost the Chinese food you know restaurant anything, and for some reason that little gesture kind of like. It, it makes me feel good and it makes me feel like I, I got something extra. Mm. So this one was like the top one for why do wedding photographers. And <laughs> this is like a, there's a, it's like a bundled answer, but it's interesting because I think it's asked a lot is why do wedding photographers cost so much, Brandon? <laughs> why do they cost so much? So if you, if someone asked you that, like in a general sense, like why did, why does it cost so much? Like, how would you answer that? Cause I think there's a lot of good answers, but. The economics of wedding photography are a little bit unseen. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's yep. a couple things going on. One is the like basic economic principle of scarcity. Scarcity affects cost. If there's less of something that you want, that something is going to be more expensive than if there was more of that something. So what's fussy about wedding photography is it sort of is, what is it, like a Venn diagram when there's an the overlap? Like it kind of overlaps... Mm-hmm in the middle there art and um also just like the utility like the utility being like you just want your wedding day documented because so much goes into it and it's so such an emotional and important day you just want photos to look back on because our human monkey brain memories fail us so hard so that's the utility of it you just want that's documented with photos but then there's the art part of it that overlaps in the middle and that is where like subjectivity comes down or comes into play. So there might be a ton of photographers who offer the utility of photography. And in that case, economically speaking, it would drive the cost down. But because you're that that pool of photographers so quickly becomes like a little just a super small, you know, maybe maybe like a dozen that you're willing that you're even 
that are even appealing to you because of the art and the way that they, they stylize their photos or the way they go about it, that, that all of a sudden creates an issue of scarcity because there's few photographers who you would want to shoot your wedding. Um, so then the cost kind of goes up, I guess, a little bit. Um, th- on the back end, on the photographer's end, there's so much that they do that isn't seen on the wedding day. Um, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about like maybe from an hourly rate perspective, if the photographer is working 12 to 14 hour days on the actual wedding day, spending about 10 to 15 hours leading up to your wedding day, just in emails, scheduling, booking you preparations, drafting agreements, sending invoices, having meetings with you, add an engagement shoot into that too, where it involves driving to sometimes multiple locations, spending two hours doing the actual shoot, but an hour on each end, getting there, editing, everything that has to do with that. And then on the back end of your wedding, spending all the time editing, posting, organizing them into an online gallery. So that way it's easy for you to digest and download and share with friends. There's so much, there's so much time that goes into a wedding that is bookending just the actual day that when you, when you break down the hourly cost of how much you're spending on a wedding, it, it starts to become much more reasonable when you're comparing it to another job um, that, again, offers sort of that like artistic experience or you can find literally thousands of just quote unquote painting if you're looking for a painting, but you're not looking for just painting. You're looking for something that speaks to you and resonates with you and matches your aesthetic and looks good in your house. And so all of a sudden, out of the thousands of painting that you could choose from, you're really only able to find, you're picking from a group of like five. And it's, it's like that with wedding photographers too. You can almost in any area or market find wedding photographers that'll come take your, you know, take pictures for super cheap too. You know, that'll come for like 400 bucks for the day and they'll just take, you know, they'll do maybe okay, mediocre job, but they'll take the pictures. So there's like, there's this huge scale. And I think, you know, it's usually, it's pretty correlated with their artistic skill experience. You're like you said, you know, you're paying for all those intangible things. If you're going to spend a little bit, like if you're going to spend little on a wedding photographer, then you're assuming a lot more risk. And then a, right. an experienced photographer who's going to naturally charge more is going to be way more experienced, hopefully, in backing up photos and taking measures to not miss shots, even shots that happen on the day of. When you're paying for somebody who has a lot more experience, you're paying for that photographer's ability to anticipate moments too, because they've seen so many of them. They know that if a speech, like a best man speech is happening or, you know, the, the father of the bride is giving a speech before the reception or before dinner, you just know because you've shot so many weddings and you've seen, you've been a part of these days so frequently, you just, you know, to expect a reaction from maybe the, the father's wife or something. So maybe you turn the camera and face her while she wipes away a tear from her eye. And, and you know that that's happening instead of just training all your focus on the person giving the speech because you've done this before. And somebody who has less experience who will also charge less maybe wouldn't. So it just kind of depends, again, on like what you're looking for, what you're expecting, and what you're willing to pay for. Again, you're going to assume more risk the less you pay. And I just don't know if a wedding day is, is one of those days where it's worth saving, you know, 500 or even a thousand dollars, but assuming much greater than 500 or a thousand dollars worth of risk and maybe losing, losing your photos altogether, which is horrible to think about, but does happen right. or just not having your wedding shot in a way that like truly captures the essence of the day. 
Yeah, I was just thinking of something. I'd never been to the dollar store on Fremont, and I went to it, and I noticed at the checkout aisle, there was literally 99 cent pregnancy tests, and I was like, that's not the time you want to skimp on, <laughs> like, I, it just made no sense to me, but it's like the same thing of like, you know, you're, you're if you want to try to, you know, just put your risk super high because you could save a couple bucks like go for it but i would say that i think that's a really good point is like the risk um kind of premium thing is is like a great way to put it of yeah you can find someone for cheaper cheaper but typically you know you're losing something when you're going cheaper so yep for sure it's like it's like, it's like the dollar store pregnancy test you know <laughs> yeah. who would buy that who would buy that who would buy that not the day to, not the day to be cheap <laughs> Well, I, I got one last question for you, and it's I, I didn't find many when I searched for like wedding uh, wedding videographer questions, but I did find one that I liked because it's a good question. I get asked it very commonly with prospective brides and grooms. It was, how do wedding videographers work with wedding photographers? So I think what they're saying is like, when you're you know shooting for the first time together, like I'm shooting with a brand new photographer, like how does that work? There is a lot of logistics, like if it's a new photographer, like someone I'm not familiar with and someone I haven't worked with before, I'll usually reach out to them, Instagram, and just kind of say, hey, and kind of check out their style so I know kind of what to expect as far as just purely aesthetic style. Um, and then, I, you know, there's obviously you're just talking about like the day and when's, when portraits are happening and, you know, blah, blah, blah. If it's a place you've like, you're familiar with and they're not, maybe you can give them a little information. Um, and, but for me, like all that stuff is important, but the biggest thing as far as me working with a lot of different photographers, cause I do, and a lot of different vendors, you know, a lot of times it's nice to shoot with similar people and work with like a planner that you like, but I, you know, just happen. It always happens where you shoot with new work with new people all the time. And so my biggest thing is like coming into it, like very, very first thing is just, we're on the same team. We're on team, you know, let's say it's the bride and groom is Alyssa and Scott. We're on team Alyssa and Scott. You know, I want to get good video. You want to get good photo, you know, DJ, you want to play great songs for the <laughs> dancing, but like we're all on the same team. We're kind of all on the, on this, you know, Scott and Alyssa team we'll say. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, I think it's so huge to set that um, like precedent at the beginning. And then also just to say, like I'm here for my own purposes to film video or I'm here for my own purposes to shoot photo. But if you need anything, you let me know, even if it doesn't apply to me, like I've helped try to just like say like to floral, Hey, you need help posting this stuff up or I don't know floral terms, <laughs> putting this <laughs> stuff up on the, you know, trellis or whatever. And they're like, yeah, actually you could use a hand. And you know, if I'm not working or if not absolutely like necessary to be shooting, then I'll go help them. And I think that stuff all builds into this like, kind of mentality of this team mentality. I also always tell photographers and brand, I think I always tell you this is like, Hey, if I'm ever in your way, you let me know, I'll figure out a different way to shoot it if you need something. And just saying that I think helps a lot. Um, just to establish that like, Hey, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't have illusions of grandeur. Like the thing I'm doing is important than everything else here. Like we're all on the same kind of tier. And, um, so that's, that's usually how I answer that. And my, 
kind of thoughts on that, but is there anything that you were thinking of when I was saying that, Brandon? In general, like I just, I can work with any videographer that you guys choose. Like they're, they're sort of super yeah. nice and stuff, but I will usually throw out there, like if they haven't found a videographer yet, but they express that they're wanting to find one is oh, just right. like, Hey, if you do one thing that I would say does kind of make my job a little bit more difficult to maybe talk to the videographer about this is, um, just keeping gear down to a minimum and keeping the number of people yeah. down to a minimum. Cause right. I, I don't know. I, you don't necessarily experience this. You don't necessarily experience this. Like I do. Unless, I don't know it, if photographers are the equivalent of what I'm about to say for videographers, but for some reason, like I've worked with this last year, a few videographer crews who are just like way into their big gear and almost treating <laughs> the wedding as like a set of some production. And yeah. it's funny though, too, because there's, it's not necessarily a coincidence. I'll talk to them at dinner. And when I ask them, like, you know, like, what are you guys, have you been doing this for a while? Like, what are your goals and that kind of thing? Like often the response is, oh yeah, like we're doing this to pay the bills, but like, we're really in film school wanting to shoot like Hollywood videos someday. And it's like, or Hollywood movies someday. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It shows in what you chose, how you chose to run this wedding, you know, having like a, a multi, like three or four crew members and like having huge production gear instead of treating this as it should be, which is a wedding. And you kind of want to like blend in with as few people as needed to get the job done and as small of equipment as needed to capture something beautiful. And it's just a different way so of thinking. How, how, like, so obviously a lot of those things you, you might not know beforehand, you're just showing up and they got huge gear. Like, how do you end up communicating with them to, I know you've had some, you know, bad stories, but just, you can talk about that too. But how, what, what do you say to them or how do you, do you give input about that stuff or do you just work around it? Like how, how do you handle all that? Um, <laughs> I'd be lying <laughs> if the first thing I do when I see that is roll my eyes a little bit, but, um, I, yeah. I'll usually, for example, I'll usually pace things out. So instead of coming up to them and just saying something like I'd want to say, which is, hey, man, I notice you have a ton of gear and a lot of people <laughs> let like maybe don't include them in everything or include maybe all of the don't. gear and everything. And maybe just maybe don't. Um, I'll usually <laughs> go like kind of section by section throughout the day. So if I, I know the first look's coming up, I'll maybe go to the guy who is in quote unquote in charge and just say like, Hey, the first look's coming up. Um, I'm going to go out there. I'm actually going to leave my second shooter like in the room with the guys. So then they've already understood that like, I'm trying to keep things minimal and then say like, Hey, maybe if you just want to bring like just one camera and like maybe just you, then that way it'll kind of like keep the intimacy of the moment. Then they'll usually be like oh, wow. totally on board with it. And, and the, oh really? Yeah. Good. Because I'm not saying like, Hey, it's going to, it's going to be like super annoying and in the way if you're having four, right. four videographers from four different angles. So, but you, you do give quite a bit of input and thought into like, yeah, I didn't know I'm, that. I'm you, so beyond yeah. not doing that just cool. because I've, it just honestly, like at, at the end of the day, like Kristen Marie Parker, another she's, she said another really cool thing a couple of years ago that stuck with me. And that's just, it's our job beyond most other vendors because of the relationship 
that we have with the client throughout the day to be their advocate. And they don't know, like they don't know what four cameramen and or camera people, sorry, they don't know what four cameras and all that gear means in terms of the impact it might have on their wedding day. They don't understand what a drone being around is going to, how that's going to impact their (laughs) wedding day. But I do. So knowing that, I feel like it's almost like I owe it to them to talk to the videographer because it's going to ruin that intimate first oh, look moment awesome. if there's a bunch of people. Same with like drone too. If I know that they have a drone, I'll, I've, I've told, like I've walked up to a videographer who is getting his drone prepped for the first look and just asked him like, Hey man, I know that oh, this man. might look kind of cool, but I think that just because <laughs> of the nature of what this is, it might not be the most appropriate use of this. And you know, surprisingly yeah. he was cool with it. And he's like, Oh shoot. Yeah. Like, you know, right. I didn't even think about it. Like it might be kind of loud. So I'll, oh, wow. I, I've realized that I'm kind of at a point too, where I'm, a, I'm a, a lot more experienced than most of the videographers I work with and who, who uh, most of the videographers I work with who exhibit these habits. And I think that's also just definitionally like a videographer who has more experience is also going to not have these issues. Like, you know, you're, because you shot so long, you've realized inherently the value of having minimal gear, both in terms of just how easy it is to travel around with and just how easy it is on your day, like their daily workflow. You know, you're not having to manage tons of chunky gear. You're not having to manage a lot of people. So by you, by you doing this for a long time, you've inherently become the videographer that's ideal to shoot with so that the videographers who are coming into this, like with newsroom cameras and like Hollywood mindsets are people who are often inexperienced, just trying to pay the bills. So having a wedding photographer who's there, who's been doing this for four or five years, they, they're often like hearing this kind of stuff for the first time. They're often hearing like, Hey, maybe a drone isn't the most appropriate thing to use during a first look for the first time. And yeah, it was just ignorance, and it's not like a uh, like willing negligence or something like that. It's just ignorance. No. So it's it. That, it's a good thing to to let them know that. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know you gave that much input, which I think is great on your part, and I think that just goes into you like educating them, and then also going in uh, kind of what I was saying earlier is like educating them to be um, mindful that they're on a whole team. You know, it's not like you know, XYZ company shooting video and Brandon shooting photo. It's like, you guys are all working together for the couple. And so you're there for them to be mindful that everything they do has an uh, impact and effect on the guests, the bride and groom, the photographer, the, you know, wedding planner. And I think that just helps, you know, I think you're helping slowly, you know, the people like this to be more mindful of those things. And maybe they'll next time they do a first look, they won't get the drone out. I don't know. Yeah. And then, I mean, and that's, that's like best case scenario, but there have been some instances where, you know, you run into wedding photographers who have tons of experience and they just are the way they are. And in situations like that, again, kind of going back to the client advocacy, like being an advocate for the client, um, like I've had, it, it doesn't happen often. I think it was just like once where I actually had to ask a videographer to, to leave the portrait shoot. And it was right. <laughs> a wedding where I don't think that the couple knew the extent to the the way that the videographer would be like actually on the actual wedding day, like his behavior and everything. And he was just like, I mean, you know, my style, it's a lot more kind of gentle and moody, I guess. And it requires sometimes like the couples just sort of be in like a calm state, like one where they're just focusing on themselves and sort of like leaving the the idea of being photographed or filmed alone. Like it's out of their head. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so you finally like kind of get them in that spell for the lack of a better word. And this videographer, he just kept saying like the most inappropriate things. Like 
you know, if, if I'm like trying to get them into a mood of like calmness and stillness, and then like he's fighting in a way, fighting the effort by saying like, now grab her butt or something like it just ruins everything. And so when you have like a precious, like 25 minutes or something like that during dinner to get sunset photos, it can become a real issue. And so anyways, it got so bad at this, during this one sunset portrait time with this videographer that I just, I like quietly asked him if I could just spend the next 10 or 15 minutes with them alone. And if he instead just came back and did his own video thing with them separately, because doing it together just wasn't working. And the client at the end of the day was so thankful once he left because they like actually thanked me. I'm like, gosh, like we didn't know how to say it, but like, he's really ruining the mood right now. I'm like, yeah, totally awesome. So it was just a, an affirming experience and not to say like videographers, if you're listening to this and you ever work with me someday that I'm going to like ask you to leave a portrait shoot, but, but I guess it just kind of, it's okay. What I'm telling, I guess, photographers, it's, it's okay to be an advocate for your client. And if you know that the client is like wanting a certain thing and the videographer is getting, it's like prohibiting that from happening or like being inappropriate, like fight for your clients in that way. And maybe don't be afraid to speak up a little bit. And, you know, videographers, I don't want to make videographers sound like they're the ones who are ruining everything. Photographers do the same things for you. So, um, yeah. Right. I think it's just like, and like you said, it, I think a big part of those that, you know, you, you will have to inevitably shoot with a photographer or videographer or whoever that you are just not stylistically on the same page and, and that's fine. Um, but you just have to find some happy medium. And like you said, you had a, you kind of quietly took him aside and kind of, you were probably very strategic in the way you communicated with him. You weren't rude. You didn't tell him to get out. You didn't, you know, yell at him or anything. So I think figuring out those ways to communicate, clearly but you know gently those things it's probably really important too and um but then just trying to find some like you you found a compromise of saying like hey let me do like 10 minutes with them and then you can do 10 minutes of video which is like a great solution to that you know and so i think figuring out those like communication skills and willing be willing to compromise or find some solution is like really great that's a good example of a way that you can work with somebody that and you probably got did you end up getting the photos that you wanted like after that i totally did it was and they wouldn't have come around like i wouldn't have gotten those if i if i let him stay right it obviously is ideal if you have the same aesthetic styles and maybe the same same kind of vibes but there's times you're going to work with someone that you're not always on the same page with maybe stylistically, but you still have to, you know, be professional and, and learn how to deal with those. So that's a really good example of that yeah. for sure. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad it worked out. Cool. Well, I think that's it for doing the wedding, uh, photography autocorrect. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I don't think so. I have a, a bunch of stuff written down here to drop in the show notes, like, you know, Dylan's SEO stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, you know, thanks so much for listening, you guys. We really appreciate it. Um, you can, as always, find me on the Instagrams under hello, Brandon Scott. And Josh, where can people find you? Uh, it's just Instagram, Josh Harney Productions. And then the website is joshharney.com. Yeah.